Yes, yes. No Chase Film Society. What's good, good people? Uh, this is Chris Ali bringing you a little footnote uh, before y'all hear this episode that during the first recording, uh, Derek and I had a little distortion and had a couple of technical difficulties we had to work out. So what we did was we came back at a later time and uh, recorded a little bit more and actually kind of corrected some of the difficulty we had in the first one. With that said, you may hear us repeat a couple of the same points and uh, this, during the second recording, um, I had my daughter with me, so you may get a little bit of, of, of her to bleed into the episode. Other than that, um, the editing genius of Derek worked fine, and we hope y'all enjoyed this review of The Joker. Peace. Yes, yes, back again, No Chase Film Society, the podcast, and I am one of your hosts, uh, Chris Ali, link up with me on, on Instagram, I am Chris Ali, A-L-E-E, uh, Chris Ali, joined again by my partner in crime, the podcast producing extraordinaire, one and only D, Derek, what's up, brother? What's going on, bro? How you feel, man? Feeling good, feeling good, ready to rock and roll. This is a good one. All right, all right, let's get into this. We had a little technical difficulty going into this. Hopefully we can get through this one uh, without too many glitches. But uh, if you click play, then I'm pretty sure you all saw the title of uh, our podcast film today, our feature presentation today, which is actually a bonus episode. This is our second bonus episode um, to the No Chase Film Society podcast feed. And as you can see, we'll be talking about the 2019 highly uh, award-nominated, Oscar-nominated film starring Jaquin Phoenix, Joker. Uh, yeah, so we, we're going to go ahead and get right into this. You know, with these bonus episodes, we don't play with it. We get right into the film. Um, so yeah, D, this was, uh, we, we've been wanting to talk about this one for a while. Yes. yes. Um, we wanted to try to catch this in theaters, but, uh, Derek and I weren't able to really make that happen. But, uh, just a couple of days ago, we were able to rent it. Uh, I think I rented mine on Amazon. I think, uh, you might have got yours on Amazon too, right there. Yes, sir. And, uh, yeah, man. So what we're going to do, we're going to go ahead and just open up this conversation in a review of the Joker. Uh, so, yeah, we could go ahead and drop the trailer. And when we get back, we're going to have a full conversation on the uh, slightly disturbing, <laughs> uh, but highly entertaining Jaquin Phoenix uh, movie, The Joker. So check out the trailer. We'll be right back with it. bothering my kid sorry Arthur I have some bad news for you <laughs> this is the last time we'll be meeting you don't listen do you you just ask the same questions every week how's your job are you having any negative thoughts 
All I have are negative thoughts. And finally, in a world where everyone thinks they could do my job, check out this guy. When I was a little boy and told people I was going to be a comedian, everyone laughed at me. Well, no one's laughing now. You can say that again, pal. It's so awful, isn't it? For my whole life, I didn't know if I even really existed. But I do. And people are starting to notice. You think this is funny? Is this a joke to you? Murray, one small thing. Yeah. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? Send in the clowns. Yep, that was it, Joker. 2019 starring Quinn Phoenix. I hope I'm saying his name right. Joaquin. Uh, Joaquin. Yeah. You're going to let me use that J uh, all throughout the podcast. <laughs> uh, Joaquin Phoenix, directed by Todd Phillips. Derek, since you, uh, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you, D. All right. What's up? This was a very, this was a very interesting movie, right? Yeah. But I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. Yeah. Uh, probably, probably throughout this podcast, mainly because I know that you have a stronger, um, you have a stronger background with the comic universe, you yes. know, and and how that how that whole thing works. So, uh, excuse me. There you go. Cut that off. Because <clears throat> I got because uh, I got a lot of questions in regards to you know the whole comic element and mm-hmm. the backstory, the comic backstory that you might be able to help me with. So I'm just putting okay. you on notice that. I'm probably going to be doing a little bit of interviewing you more than likely. That's fine. That's fine. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and turn the floor over to you, man. You know, you, you saw it. Uh, go ahead and give me your feedback on it, and we'll just bounce. I'll just bounce off of you. Man, okay. Let me let me say this first. When I um, <laughs> <laughs> when I heard that they were coming out with this, I was highly pissed off because. One, DC has not done an, a, a spectacular job at all with their movies. Um, they've been trying to do a DC universe like Marvel um, for, for a few years now, and it just has not happened. Their, their, um, their writing, their character development, for the most part, has not been good. Um this was actually apart from that though this was this had literally nothing to do with that dc universe um i also hated the fact that joaquin phoenix was was casted as the joker 
Um, not oh. because I can't, not because I don't think that he can act. Um, or I should say that I don't think that he can't act, but because I was concerned about um, how he would come across in terms of age. Um, mm-hmm. My God, was I wrong? Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> this this movie, and I give Todd Phillips his props because uh, I did not think that he would be able to kill it as a director with this either. Um, this was perfect. This was this was a perfect movie. Um, the uh, they they actually gave a reason behind his laughter because throughout comic books and and. Uh, TV and film portrayals, he laughs, but you think it's just because he's just a psychotic guy. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, this Joker was actually, um, uh, his background is with which what um, is called a pseudo bulbar effect. That's actually the name of the condition that they base that character um, in terms of having. And I could not be more pleased with that, to be honest, um, because in the comic books, in uh, other portrayals, Joker's laughing. Um, it, it, it's even at times where things aren't laugh aren't aren't uh, funny, and mm-hmm. of course you chalk it up to him just being like I said before, just a psychotic guy, and he's just laughing at something, you know negative happening or whatever that he finds a uh, appropriate laugh at this makes complete sense that he has this condition um and i i'm glad that they they based it in uh to be more realistic than cartoonish um right joaquin phoenix bro <sighs> that dude killed this role absolutely killed it um, I, I, I don't know if I can say that he, Heath Ledger is just on, he's in that Michael Jordan, uh, tier. Mm-hmm. Um, but Joaquin Phoenix might just be Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. Now you, are you talking about as far as acting? No, oh, as far as the, the, the Joker role. With the Joker role. Okay. Yes. Yes. He might be the Kobe Bryant. Mm. Um, I loved it. And and the fact that this is also based off of um, that other film that we we discussed, uh, King of Comedy, uh, starring Robert De Niro. Um, the fact that they, they played off of that in terms of inspiration... But had um, Robert De Niro as the talk show host, it just kind of, I'm not sure, did you feel this way? But it, it, it kind of felt like it was almost like the continuation of uh, King of Comedy in a way, in some ways. Um, it, it, it did. It did. It had a, and it, and it wasn't, it wasn't weird either. It wasn't. Uh, watching it. it. It was, it was almost like there was a, a connection or a backstory or something right. um, connected with this. I agree with 
Right. It, it, it felt like the, the character, um, and I forgot the name of the character that um, De Niro played, but um, it felt like his character just felt more... Um, you think Rupert Pumpkin could have got out of prison and maybe he was, changed his name? Yes. And got and been didn't actually De Niro. I mean, I'm just I'm yes. just fucking around. By no, that. but that's what I there's was a, thinking. There is a weird relationship to to those movies, though. I that's thought I was exactly the only one. No, <laughs> <laughs> I completely felt that. Um, right. And I thought they did a phenomenal job with it. Um, yeah. There's not. Uh, I don't think I have any criticisms for this movie. Um, now I will say I'm not sure if you, because you're not you're not into comics like that. Um, you probably did not catch the uh, the ending where um, uh, they they showed um, Bruce Wayne's family's murder. Yeah, right. yeah. That I knew that was coming because the way they panned the um, the theater and you saw mm-hmm. on that sign it said Zorro. That was the play mm-hmm. that the Waynes went to um, to go see the night that they got mm-hmm. killed. See, I did. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. So that, that was I a didn't. subtle hint that that was about to happen um, before they even came out the out the building. So I, I was I was impressed with what. Um, little things they added into this uh, story. Um, it felt like Joker was full, like it was a f- like a full character. Um, right. I never really thought about having a backstory on Joker, uh, because to me it was just like he was just one of those characters, just like you know whatever. Um, uh, Arthur Fleck is not a comic book name though. I was gonna. That's one of the questions I was gonna ask you. Yeah, <laughs> that that is not a comic book name. They they made that one up. But okay, it it. What was the actual comic name? Just curious. Jack Napier, I believe that was the okay. name. Um, okay. they had a few other ones, but um, that was definitely uh, that was definitely. An invention of uh, yeah. Todd Phillips. Yeah, which I believe Todd Phillips is a screenwriter. I, I know it's two screenwriters for this film, and I want to say Todd Phillips is one of them. Yeah, I'll, I'll pull that up. Yeah. Um. After you watched this movie, though, did you see what I was talking about uh, in terms of Martin Scorsese may have felt slighted by not getting this director directorial role? Um, well, from to my understanding, um, Scorsese turned this down, right? Oh, he, I think he decided to back away from it. I don't That's know not he what I heard. That's oh, not okay. I, well, what I heard was that that was I'm something he was to going for. That nobody's going to fire Scorsese, though. No, no, he wasn't. Uh, he no, he was never signed on to the film. I, I think he they, never signed on. No, they they chose Todd Phillips over okay. him. That, okay. That's, okay. That's, I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't follow that that situation that closely, but I understood it a little different. But I could be wrong. Yeah. I could be wrong. That. But if unless I'm wrong, uh, but that's that's what I thought was was happening. Um, which makes all of this uh, sensible in his actions or or what he's what he's said. Um, mm-hmm. 
but man, they they did a phenomenal job. I I'm gonna let you, you know, go ahead. But that that was in my rankings of the 2019 films. I have that as three. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. That's yeah, fair. I have that as three. Um. Well, I, I'm gonna say this. I, I I really don't like using the word interesting when I describe a movie because it's kind of it's kind of simple, you yeah, know. Yeah. But I have to use it in this context. This was a highly interesting movie. Mm-hmm. Um, very engaging. And I'm looking at it now. This this the script, the screenplay was written by uh, director Todd Phillips and a a guy named Scott Silk. So uh, I got to give Todd Phillips his props off the rip. With, with this one, he did a phenomenal job as a director. Uh, and I got to focus on the screenplay yes. because this was a very smart screenplay. And for me to be like, like I like, like I like to coin it or say uh, a comic illiterate, mm-hmm. it did not make me feel like an outsider watching this movie. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. It didn't make me feel like an outsider. It didn't make me feel like I had to go back and, uh, research any comic universe or anything like that but the question one of the questions that i had was i was just curious because i had never heard the name arthur flett associated with the joker mm-hmm. you know um so yeah you you helped me with that i gotta say though i'm uh, also in agreement with you i would put uh yaquin phoenix uh, yaquin right joaquin joaquin excuse me yeah I would put uh, Joaquin Phoenix as the the best portrayal of uh, portrayal of this character over Heath Ledger and uh, gotta mention Jack Nicholson from the from what started the whole Batman uh, film universe with the uh, the early Batman from the '90s. I think uh, Michael Douglas, the Michael Douglas Batman, played uh, alongside the Jack no. Nicholson Joker. That was Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton, excuse me. Yeah, Michael yeah. Keaton, the Michael Keaton uh, version next to Jack Nicholson's Joker, which I thought was probably one of the greatest character villain characters depicted on screen was Jack Nicholson in that. I got to give that crown really? out. Yeah, oh yeah, I think I think Jack Nicholson owned that role, and even over Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger did something very different with it, but I, I still found. Jack Nicholson's uh, interpretation of Joker more entertaining than Heath Ledger's. This one with with Joaquin was there was not really much entertainment value to to to, to the nut job that he portrayed <laughs> in this. So I'm not gonna say he he entertained me very much with this, but he engaged me with this role more than the other two uh, Heath Ledger, which I think you know I can definitely see the influence that Heath had on on. Um, on uh, Yaquin's, Joaquin's character. I don't know why I want to give him a black name. But uh, <laughs> I, I can definitely see the influence that Heath Ledger had on his character. But he was completely unique with his expression. And then, of course, the dark, uh, the dark depiction that Todd Phillips gave us with this movie also made it uh, really unique, made uh, Joaquin's expression of Joker really unique. So I think he owned this man. He he stands alone. He stands alone in, in his betrayal of this character. Um, one of the questions I had was about the name, but also I wanted to talk about the distinction 
uh, in the first Batman, the Batman that kicked the whole, the Batman that kicked the whole cinematic uh, Batman off with the mm-hmm. one with Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. In that one, we are uh, led to see that the Joker was actually the one that killed Bruce Wayne's parents in the first one. It was actually the Joker himself. Yeah. A younger Joker, rather. Yeah. In this one, you know, it, it veered from that. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I'm just curious on what are your thoughts on that? And how is the comic book uh, depiction? Does the, co- does the comic universe uh, depicted Joker as the one who killed the parents as well? They've never really shown, um, revealed, I should say, who did it. Uh, in the comics? In the comics. It's always just been this random guy. Um, okay. So that leaves it open for interpretation um, that mm-hmm. in different iterations that it could be uh, Joker or it could be just some random thug. Like, that's just how that's how they did it. Um, I my my only thing about see I I this is gonna be a very unpopular thing to say, but Jack Nicholson's Joker to me was always one that I didn't like. Mm. Um, mind you, I was born in nineteen ninety. So, the uh, shit you were born when that movie came out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <shit>. So, <laughs> by the time I watched it, um, I was like maybe six, okay. uh, and it's still at that point I was already into the into the animated series, and the animated series depicted Joker as being a little darker. Um. Ooh. That one depicted him the 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 Jack Nicholson version was more light. Um and I never since I was a kid I never uh I never loved it. So for me Mark Hamill who did the voice for the animated series to me as a kid he was just the guy. Um Mm-hmm. But when Heath Ledger came along, he did he did something that had not been done, which was portray uh, Joker as a dark, demented, psychotic character. That was the first time we actually saw that. That was those are things you knew about him, but those were never things that you really saw. Um. And so for me, that's why he is the GOAT. He is the the, the greatest Joker. Um, he is number one. Okay. Um before I saw this, I was actually giving Jared Leto two or three strictly off of his ability to to nail that laugh um actually you know what on when you're talking about movie portrayals that uh, if if you encompassed you know television i would have to put mark hamill there at number two but in terms of of film 
I was I had uh, Jared Leto there, and I know a lot of people that might hear this um, would would be upset about that because that is one that no one really liked because of the tattoos. Jared Leto uh, depicted in the Suicide Squad. Suicide right? Squad, yeah. Um, and that was always one that I had issues with because of the fact that he had tattoos. But I was able to see past the tattoos mm-hmm. and look more into the, the 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 behavior, the laughter, the demeanor, and he nailed it. Every single time, he nailed it. Um, but he wasn't given a movie, a full movie. He was just given like a supporting role. Um, but even then, I still gave him number two in terms of uh, film. Mm-hmm. Joaquin Phoenix knocked him out of two, man. Mm-hmm. Joaquin Phoenix knocked him out of two. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. so yeah, I have to give, I'll give Jared Leto three for film, um, because of his ability to, to do the laugh. And I actually liked the hand tattoo that he had because he would put his hand over his mouth and laugh and it would look like that animated, uh, uh, smile that Joker had in the animated series, mm-hmm. um, where Joker has his big wide mouth. Uh, that was the reason why I loved that. Um, I could have done away with any other tattoos. I would have been fine with him not having any other tattoos except that, if that's the decision that they made for that. Right. Um, so, yeah. Joaquin knocked him out of two. Um, and I know they're talking about, or if, if they're not already in pre-production now uh, for Joker 2, um, I'm very intrigued to see what they're going to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this film, I, I, and and again, Robert De Niro played played his role in this. Absolutely brilliant. Um, Great job. Excellent, Great job. excellent job. And now, you know who I had a problem with in this film? Who's that? Um, God, let me look at her name. I forget her name. Are you talking about? Uh, I'm looking at her. I'm. I want to talk about her too. It starts with a Z. Yes. Uh, I don't. I'm not even gonna butcher her name, but uh, she is the young lady actually that starred. Actually, two two actors in this film. Yes. St- star in one of the few TV shows that I do watch, which is uh, Atlanta. Beautiful the, show. The uh, Dion Glover show. So I was really glad to see them. Um, unfortunately, I don't. I can't pronounce her name. Please charge it to my head. But the actor who played the somewhat love interest. To... Zazzy Beats. That's got to be it. Because I don't know how else you would pronounce that. Well, I'm going to let you ride with that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but the young lady from uh, who stars in Atlanta. We're going, I'm going to refer to her as that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was confused by her for the entire film until they mm. revealed what was actually taking place. Um, I'm going to let you do the breakdown because uh, you do okay. an excellent job with that. But, okay. Yeah, once you get to that part, I'll I'll right. say what I want to say about her. All right, so let's let's break this movie down. Let's chop it up. Uh, the plot is a failed stand-up comedian by the name of Alec uh, Arthur. Excuse me, Arthur Fleck. Um, as Derek cleared up for us, Arthur Fleck 
is a created name uh, for this particular film only. To my knowledge, Derek, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the only time that name has been applied to the Joker character as far as his real identity. Right. Um, Arthur Fleck. Uh, Arthur Fleck is a failed stand-up comedian who um, has a mental illness, a very unique mental illness, and I got to stop and give, again, much... uh, much kudos, big kudos to the writers of this film because that to me was very, very smart. And I agree with you to give uh, his, because we all know the the trademark laughter for the Joker. You know, that's that's the trademark. That's his signature as a villain. But it was very, very intelligent screenwriting to give a backstory to that and attribute it to a medical condition, which I have no idea what the name of it is. But um, it's a pseudo bulbar effect. PBA. There you go. PBA. PBA. Okay. So, so, to, so, so to give him PBA, um, excellent screenwriting. Excellent screenwriting uh, on behalf of the other uh, writers. So, uh, yeah, this character suffers from this dilapidating disease where he falls into uh, a a fit of laughter, and most times, from what we see in the film, is at the most inopportune, inappropriate times. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's an outcast, you know, Arthur Fleck is an outcast. And again, we have to reference films like Taxi Driver and films like King of Comedy because you can see the influence, you know, right. that, that those films had on, on this one. And the reason why I also applaud that is because it wasn't a knockoff of any of those films. Um, with the exception of one part, which I'll get to later, which I thought was, man, y'all should have did something else with that because that was too much of a, uh, I guess, too much of a reflection of Taxi Driver. But, um, and I'll just go ahead and say with the whole gun, the gun to the head thing that, that we saw in that, in, in this movie, there's there's a scene where, well, I'll get to that in a second. But yeah, the, the, this movie borrowed heavily from, uh, well, not borrowed, but was inspired heavily by Taxi Driver and the movie that we reviewed earlier in the podcast, The King of Comedy, the Robert De Niro movie. So, you know, what you have is a loner. What you have is a a mentally ill loner. And one thing this movie did with that, which I don't know if I have a problem with it or not yet, right? (laughs) Um, but But it does get my attention, and I'm not fully comfortable with the approach this film took to humanize uh, Arthur Fleck. Really? Because they, they, they did. I, I give them credit. They did humanize mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know if I necessarily am comfortable with the approach they took and the interpretations that they made to humanize him, if that makes any sense. Well, why is that? Um, because this man was crazy as hell. This man was, was, <laughs> was a psychotic murderer. I mean, he was a murderer. And I'm not going to... I don't find the humanity of murderers in real life. Mm-hmm. So I don't really invest too much into finding the humanity in fictional murderers or fictional uh, psychotic characters. But this film really made an attempt to humanize him and to almost sympathize, uh, bring some sympathy to his character, which I don't have a total problem with because, I mean, murderers are human beings. All right. That's that's mm-hmm. an obvious, simple statement. But um, I, I just I, I just don't know. I just don't know if 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 I could embrace 
the approach they took to humanize this bastard because this motherfucker was crazy, <laughs> and, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play with that. And we're gonna get into to, to his psychotic outbursts a little bit later on in this. But yeah, this this was, the, he started. Th- this film shows you a character that's victimized. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? From the beginning, even with the physical, uh, to the point of physical getting his ass kicked, which we see in this film is something that goes back to his childhood. They, you know, physical abuse is what helped push him into this place of insanity that he ultimately was in. But even from the very beginning when he's, because uh, he's, a, he's a clown. He's a, uh, I don't know what, I guess you call it a uh, clown for hire, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, that you, If you ever want any type of clown for a birthday party or whatever f- f- to promote your business, to draw uh, customers towards your business, he worked for a company that provided that. And even in the beginning, the very first scene of this film, He's immediately attacked uh, by a group of kids. For some odd reason, he's they, they take his sign. You know, he has a sign. And he's promoting some business as a clown. A bunch of kids kick his ass, take the sign, and Joker, uh, or at this time Arthur Flick, makes a real uh, earnest attempt to get that sign back, mm-hmm. which uh, in the beginning of the movie seems a little odd. Like, why are you so passionate about getting the damn sign back? <laughs> but... In the film, you see that that sign actually is a uh, very important plot device because he's held accountable for mm-hmm. getting his ass kicked and losing that sign. They mm-hmm. took that sign and beat him in the head with it, and he's held accountable for that. And that scene, it. And, yeah, they smashed it. But that's that scene is is one of the is, is actually probably the first scene that's used to show the humanity uh, that this character has, Arthur Fleck has, because he's called to the carpet for losing that sign, getting his ass kicked and losing that sign because the owner of the store wanted to know where the sign was. Right. But in truth, by watching this film, you'll see that the, uh, I guess his boss, his supervisor, his manager, whatever, uh, is re- he really is an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and how yeah. he approached it, you know what I mean? And you see the common sense, and there's a level of common sense Arthur Fleck has because while he's being accused of keeping a sign that he's using to to work with that was ultimately taken and destroyed and and used to kick his ass with, he shows a a speck of common sense by saying when he's accused of taking it, he asks a question all of us would ask. Why the fuck would I keep this man's sign to to his store? (laughs) Right. which Which is a reasonable approach that he had. So that's a, a, the first scene in this film that is used to kind of show us he's he's a he's a bullied character. He's a picked on character. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on though, okay. Just kind of breaking down that part of the movie. He meets uh, one young lady who we were just talking about, um, and and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and let let Derek. Say that name because I don't think you're too sure that's her name. So I'm gonna let you <laughs> repeat it for me. Uh, you said Zazie Beats. Zazie Beats. Zazie Beats. Okay. Well, that's Derek just says what her I'm, name is Zazie. That's just what I'm assuming it so is. Go, uh, her character her in the film. Let's let's call her by her character's name, uh, which that escapes me too. So we'll figure that out. But anyway. The young lady who uh, pretty much plays somewhat of a love interest to the Joker, uh, they meet in the elevator. And I will have to say, before I move any further with this, 
uh, Sophie is her name in the film. So we're going to call her Sophie. Sophie, Sophie's character in this film did disturb me. So I'm kind of yes. with you on that. Yes. Um, I, 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 I found her character a little troubling. And I'm going to tell you <laughs> why. I'm going to go ahead and tell you why. I'm going to fast forward this a little bit, right? In this movie, uh, Sophie, again, like we were talking about, is a neighbor. She, they live in the same dilapidated building in Gotham. Uh, everybody, that, even I know this, Everybody in the comic universe know Gotham is a prototype in New York in the DC universe mm -hmm. for this particular Batman story. So they live in this dilapidated uh, building together. Not to, in the same, not as roommates together, but they share the same building as neighbors. And that's how they meet. They meet in the elevator. From the point she's introduced into the movie, we are led to believe that she has a genuine interest in him. Right. Mm -hmm. The issue I have is that, and I'm going because I'm we, we're breaking the movie down, and we're not necessarily breaking it down in order. That's how we do. We'll, 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 so just follow us on this. But in this movie, we're led to believe later on that her relationship with him might not be real. Right. Mm -hmm. The 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 issue I had with her character, or the issue I had with what they did with her character, is that they made it clear in this film that Arthur Fleck who later on in the movie becomes Joker. Arthur Fleck is a mentally ill man. He's fucking psychotic, right? So with him being as psychotic as he is, this movie goes into traces of what we see in King of Comedy where we really don't know what his reality is. You know, he's kind of right. in and out of reality right. with this movie. Their relationship is questionable up to the point really towards the end when we really see that, that a lot of the relationship that Arthur Fleck had with Sophie was fabricated. It was all in his mind. Mm -hmm. And the film does an excellent job. I mean, the, the, the way they show us his mind mm -hmm. and show us how he's in and out of reality is brilliant. I, I, I like what Todd Phillips did with that. So at the scene, the, the scene toward the end of the film, when Sophie, um, well, uh, Joker just committed a heinous act, which we'll get to, I guess, later on in the film. He just committed a heinous crime, an act or whatever. He just walks into her apartment, which I don't understand why the hell her apartment door was wide open like that. Bro. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, that that threw me. In Gotham City. In Gotham City to the point where that irritated me. That scene irritated yes. me. So he just walks into her apartment. That's the scene that we discover that he's mentally ill as far as that relationship is concerned. Well, that relationship was a part of his mental illness. And that all of the dates and the warm experiences that he had with her in this film were actually fabricated and they show you that mm -hmm. they make it clear to you the scenes that we are led early in the movie to believe were scenes that him and Sophie shared were not actually scenes that him and Sophie shared were shown that in, in towards the end of this film when he just walks into her apartment after after I think he killed his mother mm -hmm. after that right I think That's so. he killed. but let me tell you what I had an issue with there's a scene in this movie where he killed somebody again, as a matter of fact. Did he kill you? I think he just, this is after the uh, the platform scene. He shoots up three people at the train station, right? Mm -hmm. After after the first murder, the first murder, like I said, he shoots up three guys at the train station. And I believe he left there and went straight to Sophie's apartment. We're led to believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, am I right on that? Is that the crime that, uh, he, he the first after the first crime when he killed the three guys on the train, mm -hmm. he goes to 
apartment and we're led to believe that he has this uh, newfound confidence. <laughs> yes. As a result of killing these guys. Well, and, hold on. No, no I, he cowered. He he became a, he became I wouldn't just say a coward, but he he became a little bit more with uh, withdrawn. There okay. was there was um. Oh God. I forget which one uh, that he did that actually. He started just oh the train. Um, yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. The tr- he, he, when he when he killed the guys on the train, which is which is the no, first when the cops were running after him on the train. Okay, that was towards the end. That, that was, was closer after, to the end, yeah. That was after he murdered uh, the guy he used to work with who set him up with the gun. There was a co-worker that gave him a gun after right. he was attacked by the kid. And he ended up betraying him and really throwing him under the... and lying on him, really. He just flat out lied on him. And... He later on in the film, towards the towards the end of the film, he actually kills the shit out of him, which is the most gruesome Bro. murder in the whole movie. That <laughs> is when he kills the uh, co-worker. That was. But wait a minute, wow. I want to get to something with Sophia. Mm-hmm. All right, what I'm saying is this: is that the, after he killed, uh, the, I think I'm, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. You can correct me if I'm wrong later on. But after he kills the guys on the train, he has a burst of confidence. Right. The reason why I say that is because he immediately goes to Sobey's apartment, kisses her, and we're led to believe they have sex. That's right. That's right. Right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. We're not led to believe nowhere in this film if that was in his head or not. Right. And I got a problem with that. Because at the end of the day, and I'm I'm you know, I'm I'm not gonna ever deny when I see something that's racially charged <laughs> in a movie. <laughs> and I know that could be an irritant to some people, you know, and, and some people it's not, but that's just where I am. That I found that to be a little bit inappropriate. Uh, inappropriate is not the right word. It rubbed me the wrong way. It pissed me off because it gave a portrayal of white dominance over a black body. You know what I mean? Yeah. And... It never clarified not if he was crazy. So to the writer, it didn't matter if if he did it or not, you know. And that's the problem I had. That's the only real problem I have with this movie, is that we're not. It made it an attempt to clarify every bit of psychosis, mental psychosis, and the mental breakdown he had involving this woman. In this movie, we're led to believe that they go to the movies on a date. In this movie, we're led to believe that uh, she accompanies him to his uh, miserable stand-up comic uh, performance, because like I said, he's a failed stand-up comic. In, in one of the conversations, even before that, he fo- well, put it like, I'm going to rewind. He follows her. He's, he's, we're led to believe he's, he follows her, which I believe that part of the movie was real. Yes. Then we're led to believe that she shows up to his apartment because she notices him following her, and he appro- she approaches him with the most congenial... Friendly, lucky, luck, lack of dages, lucky, you know, round the rosy approach when she confronted him about following her. Like, there was no disturbance in her. There was no disruption in her safety in her mind. She was kind of, it's almost like she was turned on or she was yeah. inviting to him following her, right? Yeah. Now, I don't have an issue with that because 
the 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 film makes it clear that that was in his head. Yes. Right? Yes. That's when really really every experience he has with her, we're led to believe towards the end that it was a fabrication of his head, except when he had sex with her. I think that was a part of it. You think that was real? I think that, that no, 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 no. I think that was completely in his head. Yeah, but I have a problem with the fact that we're not shown that, but we're shown everything else in regard to their relationship. Well, you know what I'm saying. The reason and, why and it leads to me, me is, to believe. The reason why. Oh, I, go ahead. Go no, ahead. but the reason why I think it's definite is because she didn't even know who he was. At the end, like, she was shocked that he was even there. And and she said, "You're you're Arthur, right? The guy down the hall, right?" Um. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think if if I have sex with a woman, I would know. <laughs> <laughs> I would well, know I get you who on she that. is. I, I get you on that. That okay, we can assume based on that. It's safe to assume that she did know him, but I think that there was a deliberate. There was there was there was real deliberate intent in not showing us that and not showing that being a fabrication. And I think that there was a subtle pass to um, give us the belief that there is a dominance that white males have over black female bodies. I I could see that. I didn't you know, take it as that, but I can see that. No matter what the mental condition of this man is, he still had that right, and she was open to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I have an issue with that. Yeah. I have an issue with that. That was a very, very disturbing omission from from uh, from the from the film because we, the film depended on us knowing if he if he if, if he had realities in his head or not. You know, we we mm -hmm. were dependent on knowing that. That was a very integral part of this movie. To, for us to be able to kind of determine what was in his head and what was reality. Mm -hmm. Every involvement pretty much with her, we're given clear indication, was in his head, except when he had sex with her. And in this whole Me Too era, <laughs> where, yeah. you know, <laughs> consent yeah. is a big deal now, Yeah, you would think that that would be clarified. Because there was absolutely real no consent shown when he, 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 he killed somebody, yeah. knocks on her door, Passionately kisses her, and she embraces that passionate kiss, and we're led to believe sex, you know, took place after that, and that was it. And I feel like they were too fast and loose with that, especially when you're talking about a white man and a black woman and sex. They were too fast and loose with that, and that deserved a little bit more clarity. I, I would like to have seen that be a part of his head because I'm with you. I believe it was in his head too. Mm -hmm. But you're led to not know. You're you're really not led to show or, or really shown anything after that when it comes to that. And that was pretty important. Like you said, he had sex with her. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a pretty big deal. That's yeah. a pretty big deal. Yeah. And it was just left kind of out there. And I and yeah. that's what I have a problem with Todd Phillips about. And I do believe that uh, that has something to do with the fact that he's a white man, and something in him. I'm 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 just gonna go out there and say it. I'm led to believe as a viewer, me personally. Mm -hmm. I'm led to believe Todd Phillips did not invest much into clarifying that is because Todd Phillips doesn't have much invested in respecting black sexuality and black women and, and the bodies of black women. That's why I feel like that was kind of left out there like that. that that's, uh, um, see, I, I didn't, I didn't look at it like that, but I can see how you say that. Um, 
see my issue with her well first i'll say this after they show her come to his apartment and ask if that was him that was following her all that um i actually thought that this would actually be uh harley quinn harley quinn is a character that um is joker's sidekick i shouldn't even say a sidekick that's his that's his love interest and that's his um i guess i guess he had to use the word sidekick um and she's just as crazy and demented as joker is and that's where i was thinking this was this was going um that she was going to be a well, there, there will be a sequel so well but this won't be that she she can't be that um not unless she has some type of weird psychotic break between this film and the next um but my issue with her was that and of course after we you know toward the end we realized this is all a figment of his imagination but the entire time i was just watching i'm like no black woman would do that <laughs> right. right you're looking at it through realistic racial yeah. terms right. yeah right. no no black woman is just going to accept some random white well maybe but from what i A understand white man, that obviously mentally, mentally disturbed just coming off the street and having sex with him. that that is what i had an issue with with that film um well with that scene um right. so to me i looked at it as it was so far outlandish that when you come back to reality, of course, that was a figment of his imagination. That's that's how I looked at it, um, and which which is the reason why I didn't have a problem with that. Um, yeah, I I. I but I, I think it would have made a better movie if they had showed us that too. I I think that would have been. Like the ultimate, like, whoa, this dude was really crazy if they yeah. had showed us a depiction of him dreaming this sexual experience with her. Yeah, which um, that actually might be in the extras. Um, that's part oh, of the reason I gotta, why. I, I got to go to the extras to, I, to see the... I know. Like, I, no, I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not giving him a pass on that. I know. No. I know. I, I think it was, I think it was, I think it was a, a level of insensitivity. Most likely it was. Uh, and it was very subtle. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't like, like blatantly a racial uh, offense. I'm not trying to blow a whistle or nothing like that yeah. and call for a protest. It was it was <laughs> it was nothing that offensive, okay? But it was extremely subtle. You yes. know, and sometimes the subtle things like that do the most psychological damage. Yes. To yes. Because when you watch a film, you're taking in somebody's thoughts. You're taking in somebody's interpretation of reality in life, right? Mm -hmm. Similar to some of the themes we saw in this movie. So as we see in this film, the images that we see on screen can influence a collective, you know. Oh, for sure. In a negative way and, and very rarely in a positive way, but it influences it influences the people nonetheless. So when you plant that image of a white man crazy, you know what I mean? There's nothing appealing about this man mm -hmm. at all in this movie. Nothing at all appealing about him, right? Mm -hmm. But yet he still, because he murders somebody... That's all the confidence you need to just randomly have sex with a black woman, you know, yeah, who yeah. shows you minimal interest. 
yeah. at that. Like she didn't show any sexual interest to him that at any time in this movie. So that that to me just rubbed me the wrong. I was uncomfortable with what he did with that. I, I didn't like it. I was uncomfortable with it. And I felt like there was a, a disconnect that he has with uh, black respectability. As I'm talking about Todd Phillips to to not really catch that. You know, I think a different d- director with a different sensibility would have did something different with that. I can so see really that. that's so that's really that's my only criticism of the movie. You yeah, know? that's my real own really only criticism of the movie. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that. Yeah. But um, okay, so moving on with the plot, uh, I want to say a couple of characters. You know what I mean? Because you know, no chase. This is a this is not a spoiler free zone. So we really kind of want y'all to watch the movie, but before y'all listen to the podcast, you know, we're not here to kind of explain the movie to those who have not really seen it. You know what I mean? So we're kind of chopping it up a little bit. But I want to deal with the characters in this film because the acting and you know that's that's pretty much what a movie is you know the ability to depict the character these actors in this one all of them top to bottom a1 yes a1 man i yes. mean this was this was really some 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 first class acting i got to even with my man uh Brian Tyree Henry and, and i got i got to give him a a, a little acknowledgement because not only is he one of my favorite actors right now in the game, period. Like, I'm watching everything he do mm-hmm. uh, right now. I, I liked him. Of course, ATL is where I first discovered him. At. It's not ATL, excuse me. Atlanta, the TV I, show. I do Atlanta. the same thing, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, Atlanta is where I first discovered him. Uh, that's Paperboy, man. Yeah. You know, that's that's <laughs> excellent. One, one of the best characters on TV. Yes. Uh, then, you know, I saw him again. In Widows, the film starring uh, Viola Davis and uh, Liam Neeson was in that. And he had a dynamic performance in that. I mean... That was a movie I skipped. Oh, man. Widows was pretty good. It's, a, it's, it's, it's long-winded, but it's good. Okay. Um, and then, again, I saw him again in uh, White Boy Rick. He was in White Boy Rick as well. Yes. Very, very good. Very good. Uh, he was also in... Um... Oh, Jesus! What's the name of that show on on NBC? Um, I, I wasn't known from anywhere on TV except Atlanta. God. Oh no, that's wrong. I saw him in a couple of the HBO shows, but, um, but yeah, man, Brian Tyree Henry, I believe his name is one of the best, one of the best up and coming actors. To one of those, you know, to watch guys, you know, keep your eyes yes, on. Type. Most definitely. He had and this movie right here though. He only had one scene, right? Mm-hmm. He only had one scene in the movie. It was a it was a pivotal one. But it was very pivotal, and he ate the scene up, man. Yeah. I mean, he he did more with that one scene than some actors do with entire films. Yes, he he he's just a great actor. You know, I mean, I I can't I don't want to be wordy with the shit. The man is a great actor. He did a it was great to see him in this movie. Um, and it's funny because I saw a lot of, a couple of people in this film that I've saw in different projects. It's the, actually the com- it's, it's a comedian in this movie who I just discovered about two to three months ago. I think his name is Greer. His last name is Greer. Um, I missed his first name, but I, I came across his comedy. He's a stand-up comedian. 
and I came across his comedy about two months ago, and I saw him in this movie. He was actually the black guy, one of the few black people in this movie. He was actually the, the black guy who um, worked with uh, Arthur Fleck's character, and he was sitting down reading the paper and shit, oh, talking yeah. shit to him. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's actually a stand up comedian. I think his last name is Greer. I, his first name escapes me, but his last name is Greer. Funny guy, funny is funny dude. Did I discover? Uh, looking for some stand-up comedy, new stand-up comedy uh, talent. And I saw him in this movie, and that was a surprise. One of my favorite podcasters, Mark Marin, is in this movie. He had that one scene with De Niro. He was, uh, I guess, De Niro's assistant, the guy who was uh, yes. his yes, yes. assistant. That's Mark Marin. Uh, he's also a stand-up comedian, but he also has a, a very, very popular uh, podcast, uh, WTF, one of my favorite podcasts. He's one of the best long-form interviewers in the podcasting game. So it was good to see Mark Maron in this movie. Uh, again, uh, the young lady who played Sophie, who plays um, uh, Glover's girlfriend in Atlanta, good to see her in this movie. I mean, the acting was was was, uh, was just on point on every level. The, the young lady who played his mother, Penny Fleck, I think her name is, uh, I'm looking at it now, Frances Conroy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you you can see that 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 she she didn't she didn't have to do a lot of talking. You know, some people do a lot in films, do a lot of talking, mm-hmm. and you know, you they they try to portray mental illness mm-hmm. through these weird uh, these weird you know actions. You know, some people have these weird faces and all this type of shit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> she genuinely portrayed somebody with mental illness, and she was calm and quiet and kind of meek throughout the whole film. She right. she wasn't she wasn't a typical psychotic, but you can see the mental illness and it played so well because you can understand why she would have a mentally ill son. Mm-hmm. You know? So the acting in this movie was uh was A one. Got got great things to say about it. Um the script, the same way. Give give much give much respect to the script. Great screenwriting, with the exception of what they fucked up with that sex scene mm-hmm. with Arthur Fleck and uh, Sophie, Sophie, Sophie or Sophia, uh, great screenwriting. But go ahead, Derek, you were about to say something. You know what I had an issue with? Um, the guy who played Thomas uh, Wayne, uh, Brett Cullen. Really? Yeah. Um, mainly because Thomas Wayne is not that old when he, when he dies. Um, he, I'm not sure what his age is supposed to be in the film. Um, but of course in real life, he's 63 years old. Um, and you can tell that he is 63 years old in the film. Do you think that could have been done because they're trying to, and I, it's actually, I'm glad you said that. This is, this is, that's one of the questions I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. Is the Joker... And Bruce Wayne depicted as possibly half brothers in the comic universe, in the not, comic. Not from what I've ever seen. Now, okay. mind you, I've never, I've never read all comic books, um, but from my understanding, with the story itself, no. I have okay. heard a theory though that this is kind of like off a tangent, mm-hmm. but the theory that I I heard probably about like two three years ago. Um, was that Bruce Wayne and Joker are one and the same. 
um, it's that 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 Bruce Wayne is actually as crazy as the Joker is portrayed as, but they're just the same guy. Like Bruce Wayne is bipolar, mm. um, and that's why Batman could never kill him in any comic book in any film. Wow, he's never. I never heard him. that. Yeah, that that was a very interesting theory. Uh, I don't follow it because I don't. I don't really think that that's true. I like it. I like the idea though, um, because what what grown man as a billionaire is jumping off roofs in a bat suit? So right. I like the idea. Well, well, back to the Bruce Wayne thing. Do you think maybe he was depicted so old is because he wanted you to believe he could have possibly been? Uh, Arthur Flex father. That is the reason why. Um, but I'll say this: the reason why I, I I can't buy that is because in comic books there is an alternate universe. In an alternate universe, in an alley, Bruce Wayne and his mom are actually killed, and Thomas Wayne lives. And in that alternate universe. Thomas Wayne actually becomes Batman, but he he becomes a Batman. See, that, this that, this is where you lose me because I, I, I yeah I'm but I, I, I get... <laughs> I'm sorry I'm I'm gonna tie it all around though. Um, in that alternate universe, he becomes Batman, and he's a Batman that actually shoots guns instead of just you know what Batman does. Um, I say all that to say that if that was true, that. Batman, I think he's aged around like forty, um, give or take, and that was what I was thinking about throughout the the film because every portrayal of Bruce of uh, Thomas Wayne has always been younger, um, not sixty three. Yeah, that 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 is. Uh, I didn't know, you know, like I said, I I don't really follow the DC universe from the page, from the mm -hmm. comic page. But I kind of attributed him being older in the film, in this film, due to the fact that uh, Arthur Fleck was a little older. Right. And they wanted to portray him, you know, to be age appropriate to have a son, the age of uh, Arthur Fleck's character. But you're right, though. Um, I, don't know, I don't know if I mentioned earlier, but all of the portrayals of this particular story you're right, I have seen him younger. A younger, more, you know, vibrant type of Thomas Wayne type character. This, right. is, the, this is probably the oldest I've seen. I wouldn't even notice that if you didn't say that. Yeah, that's, um, <clears throat> excuse me. To me, that's um, that's something that would probably be the only complaint that I had about the film. Because I know to, to casual viewers, that wouldn't be something that they would probably catch on to. But... Mm -hmm. When you're thinking about that aspect of the of the timeline, that's probably the only thing that I would say kind of really messed this up. Um, not really messed it up, but just kind of threw it off a little bit. Um, but I, I loved it for the fact of the story. But that that age thing was the only thing that really like was really nagging me when I was watching this. Um, but that's that's like I said, that's my only complaint about it. I thought I thought the film was absolutely phenomenal. Um, now here's a question I have for you though. Mm -hmm. The uh, what was it? Eleven uh, nominations, Oscar nominations that it got. Yes, eleven. 
Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I don't have a problem with it, man. I honestly don't have a problem with it. I, I don't, the only thing I really have an issue with as far as this whole Oscar season that we talked about on the last episode was uh, one, one thing that just irritates me about the whole Oscars right now is that we don't have one black man at all right? really nominated for anything. So I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of my frustration towards that um, may spill over into some of my criticism for uh, this movie getting the nominations it has. Mm -hmm. Because even though I do believe uh, Phoenix did a great job in this movie, right? I do believe that. Um, the fact of the matter is we have seen this role before. You know what I mean? The, the right. Academy loves these roles. The Academy loves to acknowledge uh, the portrayal of psychotic white men. And <laughs> just just being just putting it out there as I, as I see it. And this is consistent with what they like, you know what I mean, as far as when they what they like to honor among among white actors. Mm -hmm. So in that respect, um, there's a little frustration. But I don't want that to be, you know, portrayed as the movie is concerned, as any as the quality of the movie or any any merit that the movie has. The movie stands alone. Um uh, is is a good movie. Um Phoenix did a great job in this movie, but there are other actors out there, um, other black actors particularly, that should have been put up next to this. So there, there, there's there's a little bit of a stacking the deck approach, I think, that come with these nominations. Right. You know, but um, it's, it's, it should be acknowledged. You know, the movie definitely should be acknowledged. His acting performance, definitely, he, he's, he was nominated for Best Actor, which I think he's going to win. Yeah, I think um, so, too. Yeah, I mean, he he, he, he should be considered. But there's, there, there are others that should have been considered, too. And uh, I think that taints the, the validity of the nominations that this movie got, in my opinion. Yeah, I think uh, in terms of acting, um, I'll say uh, screen screenwriting. Um, I know it got it got nominated for editing. I, I can't I can't say that that was you know that's not that's not worthy because I thought they did a phenomenal job. I agree um, with that screenwriting. Yeah, screenwriting was was pretty pretty top notch. Yeah, yeah, I. I I can't argue it being in any of those uh, 11 categories. Um, I can't. I, I can't. I can't. I'm looking at the, at the list. I can't uh, argue it at all. Um, but I agree with you. Uh, other, other films should have been in some of these categories as well. Um, like, I, like, like, again, I'll still I'll continue saying it. Um, uh, Lupita Nyong'o. She should have. She should have been nominated for us. Um, mm -hmm. uh, for for uh, best actor, but yeah, I think uh, in terms of Joker, though, you 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 really can't take anything away from it. From um, no, the movie standing as a standalone, you know, on its own merit, the movie's a good movie. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's it's definitely worth worth a watch. You know, so. But. Let me ask. But you let this, me ask you this real quick. Oh, I got one for you. Go ahead. <laughs> um, where do you measure? Now I know these are two completely different films, mm -hmm. right? I understand that. Mm -hmm. But where do you measure the enjoyment, I guess, or the uh, the entertainment value you got from Dolomite Is My Name mm. next to this one, and the acting uh, performance of Eddie Murphy 
mm-hmm. next to uh, Joaquin Phoenix's in this one. Again, I know this is two two different <laughs> genres, two different yeah. tones, and everything. But yeah. they are individual films. Yes, and they they have a right. In most cases, most people, you know, put these films together in, in competition. So we can't not compare them. I mean, right. there has to be right. some type of comparison. We, you know, so I just wanted to get your your view on that. Um, I'm not sure if I told you or not. Uh, may have said this earlier, but. I had, excuse me. I have Joker as number three. For uh, for 2019, I have yeah. Dolomite as one. Same here. So it's Dolomite one, us two, Joker three. Um. So. I to me, if you're just talking about the films, uh, individually, I think they're 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 pretty much neck and neck, um with acting uh with directing mm-hmm. um with uh character development um even with editing i i i enjoyed both films through and through um i enjoyed them completely uh to the utmost so i i think okay. i see this is this is the problem that I have uh, with the Oscars because at this point I don't even pay attention to nominations and who wins anymore because it just it doesn't mean anything um, to me. It's almost it doesn't it doesn't hold the same weight that it used to in my opinion. Um, but Dolomite should have been in a lot of these categories that Joker is in. I agree. It definitely should have been in there. Like I said, for best acting with both. Actually, you know what? I think Eddie Murphy and Wesley Snipes should have been nominated. And um, Wesley Snipes definitely should. And I really didn't expect this because it's Wesley Snipes. Right. But, you know, and Wesley Snipes hasn't really gotten a lot of respect in Hollywood for right. many years now. Right. But I definitely think Wesley Snipes deserved best supporting uh, nomination. Yes. If, if anybody in that movie deserved that. Yes. Wesley Snipes deserved the best supporting nomination. He he brought a lot to that movie with what he did. He did. He brought a lot to that to that film. He did. Um, and and I I I like I said, acting, directing, uh, write um, acting, directing, writing, editing, those four categories they should have easily been both both films should have been in that category. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what was your second question though? I know you asked about how those I think that was it. That, that was, was it. it. You know, okay. yeah, I wanted to just know it, what, what your uh, what your approach to uh, Joaquin and Eddie Murphy's. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and where you put them together. Yeah, because actually, that's acting. Right. Because I, I, I just want to go out and say I think Eddie was robbed too. Again, oh, most definitely. Most definitely. The Academy. Most definitely. But Eddie was robbed. Too. He he should have got a Best Actor uh, nod. Yeah, and and both films um, left me wanting more from. From uh, both 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 stars, mm-hmm. I want to see more from them. Um, so, yeah, no question. I'm seeing Joker too. Uh, no question. I'm going to see Coming to America. It, it's it's just I I I, I love what we saw. Um, now, let me ask you this though. Mm-hmm. C. 
seeing this movie, does it change your mind from what Martin Scorsese was saying in terms of these films are not cinematography or cinematic, I should say. Or cinema. Yeah. Well, I never really fully agreed with that. You know, I maybe came off like that, I guess, in my <laughs> in my approach. I never fully agreed with Martin Scorsese on that, that, cinema, that uh, comic films are not cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll just, you know, preface by saying that. But I will say that comic films are not serious cinema. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'll be, I'll, you know, put some particulars on it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I think that it's, uh, I do agree with what he said as far as comic movies are more similar to amusement parks. You know what I mean? Like going to an amusement park, Disney World or, you know, Six Flags or whatever, is a distinct, uh, there's a big distinction between going to a amusement park like that and going to a museum, an art museum. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Both of them are, are forms of, uh, entertainment or whatever, or, you know, different forms of uh, recreational activity, so to speak. But, you know, the what you're going to get from one is not what you're not going to get from the other. And that goes both ways. That, but at the same time, I will agree with you, and maybe I, I'm, I'm wrong by feeling that this is your perspective, but uh-huh. I think you walk away with Scorsese being a little bit of an elitist. <laughs> 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 by what he said. And yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. I yeah. agree with you on that. I think that that was an elitist perspective on his point to say that. And I, I don't know. I guess, you know, you have to judge if that's where my head is. But I do believe there is a difference between, you know, going to Coney Island and <laughs> going to, uh, you know, I guess a museum or something in Rome. I mean, there is a difference. There's a there, There's going to be a cultural Difference, you're going to draw different things from those experiences. It's the same with these films, you know. Mm-hmm. Certain films you see, say, for instance, The Godfather, uh, uh, 12 Years a Slave, you know, <laughs> think movies like that <laughs> you're going to have different experiences with mm-hmm. than going to see Iron Man. That's that's not taking anything away from Iron Man. Yeah, yeah, well, see... That's not, and that's not saying Iron Man doesn't deserve to exist. But I, but this is what I, I want to go back to this, though. And, and this is the point, I think, that... that that maybe you and I kind of miss, or we're missing each other, what what Scorsese said. I think he was saying that, I think his frustration was not that comic movies or, you know, uh, yeah, comic universe movies are being made. I think his frustration was that they're not getting the same attention or getting the same uh, artistic value as other films, other real dramas or narrative films are getting. That's what his frustration is. That's what I read from it. That and that I can see that too. Um, my thing about it is that's like saying that there's a difference between genres. Like a comedy movie is not necessarily going to make as much money in a box office as an action thriller. You know what I'm saying? Like it depends on the comic movie. It I mean, depends. He, these movies are eating up the box office, man. It, that's that's where his depend. frustration comes from. It does depend. That, yeah. But I think... I think that it is also... It goes. It comes down to like the casting director. comes down to who you have as the director, who you have as the editor, and who is the, the, the money behind it. You know? Like, I think that all affects... 
how much attention a film gets. Um, not to say that a smaller company could not do something as big, because we've seen that with um, Monkey Paw Productions, like from um, Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele. Um, so we've seen that, but when you're talking about films that get attention, like like uh, these Marvel films, these Marvel films come with a cult-like following. You're mm-hmm. not necessarily... like I don't think that he's taking that into consideration because when you're comparing a film or, or, or uh, like, like the Avengers um, with that cult-like following compared to like let's say the Irishman there is no cult like following behind that that story for the Irishman you know what i'm saying it, it's maybe maybe the draw maybe the draw is the director or the actor but still there is no cult like following for the story itself so i think that that's something that we have to take into consideration um because if there was no cult like following for this batman i mean for batman in general Joker would not have made as much money as it did. Like mm, it, I could I, I could agree with that, but it's it a very familiar wouldn't. story, though. It's a very familiar character. Yeah, that, I mean, that's but that's because yeah. it's a, it's part of <clears throat> it's part of Batman, and and Batman right. comes with that cult like following. But if if this was like, let's just say that this was a story of a guy just named Arthur Fleck that was not attached to DC Comics, right? If this was just based off a true life story of a man named Arthur Fleck, and you got Joaquin Phoenix to play to play the guy, you had Tyler Phillips, like you had the entire cast and crew. It would not have had the same draw as a standalone story than if it was attached to the comic books. You know what I'm saying? And that that's the, that's the only thing I think that Scorsese is missing when he when, when he was discussing that because it's something that I think that when you when you uh, bring that in like for example Harry Potter that had a cult like following that whole series brought in stupid money you right. know what I'm saying but if it if if J K Rowling did not write those books and have that that following with her the films would not have made as much money as they did. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Same thing for the Lord of the Rings. It's it's, I think it's almost subjective, in a way. But I think that when when you're uh, when you're talking about something like that, you have to bring that into consideration, the fanfare that is going to be attached to a project. You know right. what I'm saying? So it, it's it's the same thing. Like when you have just like an original story. Uh, original uh, 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 screenwriter, uh, screenplay, or something like that. Compare it to something that has that that was written in the in the eighteen hundreds that people read for years. It's just not going to have the same effect on the on the culture. You know what I'm saying? I agree with that. I so agree with that. I think that's that's the only thing that Scorsese missed with that. But I agree with the with the. Uh, um, with the point in terms of saying that there's a, there's not the same attention uh, to 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 um, cinema that that he, that he's used to, like Godfather or The Irishman or something like that, compared right. to a, a comic book a comic book film. There, yeah, of course, the, the attention is not the same, but it, it's 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 going to. 
that's just something that he's got to take into consideration when he talks about something like that. Because I guarantee you, has Scorsese been uh, on this film? It probably would it would have been the same in terms of attention, just because of of the fanfare. It has nothing to do with Scorsese versus Phillips. If if you switch the, uh, the directors out, it would have been the exact same output. I, I think it would have been more fanfare if Scorsese, because he he's a he's a pretty much a star director at this point. He is. He, is. he has name recognition that Todd Phillips doesn't have. So I mean, mm-hmm. I agree with that point, but I think that would have been more of a a selling point to this movie if Scorsese had did it. Um, but that wouldn't have affected the merit of the of the script. I don't I don't believe. Yeah, I don't um, think so either. But then that's that's kind of hard to say too, because Todd Phillips, the director, was actually a writer. Uh, that's for true. This film. That's true. You know. That's true. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I am curious. This this is this is this is one of those films that has a backstory behind it, a what if backstory. Mm-hmm. You know, like what if Scorsese directed Joker? I think that's going to be a question. You know, from years to come, as long as we're still talking about movies, at least, that you know, what if Scorsese had did the Joker? That's always going to be like one of those trivia questions, I believe. Yeah. And um, it probably will. But I, but I, I in, in many respects, I agree with you, and in many respects, I don't agree with in, in, with Scorsese. I, I don't feel you know he was right by saying that these films are not cinema. Um, now these are these you know, uh, Marvel movies and the comic movies. If if there's a cinematographer, if there's a director, if there's a screenplay, if there's you know uh, coordinated uh, acting performances and all that, then it's cinema. That's what makes cinema. Um, it's not really about whether you like it or not, or how, how mm-hmm. you know, or how it makes you feel necessarily. Uh, that makes it cinema. I mean, cinema is an art form that consists of telling stories with motion pictures. Mm-hmm. So that that simplistic approach alone, kind of the dismisses where he's coming from but like i said i i understand the 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 criticism he has to an extent and i think a lot of it is rooted in the fact that certain films don't get certain attention yeah no that's you true. know but, but yeah i i but but with this one right here though i, I want to say as far as joker and this is kind of stating the obvious but this this film has a tone that no comic book movie has ever had I'm gonna go ahead and step out there and say that that this movie has taken comic genre, even with Christopher Nolan's Batman, which was supposed to be a lot of people, you know, look at it as a darker Batman or that was or the first tr- darker Batman. I think I think this film surpasses those all of them in terms of, in terms of darkness. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. This 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 could have been a movie. I mean, like I said, this movie is on the, along the same lines of a uh, of a king of comedy mm-hmm. and a taxi driver. Yeah, you know, there's no other comic movie you can put along the lines of those two films. Yeah, besides, you know, so I think that says something. And to me, that's a credit to Todd Phillips. You know, that's a, that's a credit to Todd Phillips and the and the and the crew with the team he had with this. Mm-hmm. Is that they took a story which could have easily been campy and corny, and you know, with the whole amusement park flair. Mm-hmm. That what Stacey was talking about, you know, all the bells and the whistles. They could have easily applied that to this movie, and probably got just as much attention. But what he did creatively with the material that he had, uh, I'm talking about Todd Phillips. It, it, it there was a, a a line of genius in that, and and I gotta acknowledge that, you know. 
just just be unbiased. I got to acknowledge, acknowledge that. That Todd Phillips did something with per, this is children's material. This, this, I mean, let's be honest. This is stuff that was initially intended for kids or young adults or young or young uh, yeah. young kids, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he did something with it, totally diametrically opposed to that. And I appreciate that. I, I like that. I like I like what he did with that. And I would like to see more Marvel movies uh, like this. You know, oh, not Marvel, but excuse me, comic based movies. Like I want to see a movie where Iron Man is actually tooting cocaine. I want to see Robert Downey be Robert Downey in the movie. Yeah, I want to see Batman actually, you know, cock a pistol and shoot somebody. Yeah, I would love to see that. I wouldn't mind that. I want to see some interracial sex. Then, I mean, I'm, I'm going, I'm going off to the. I'm going. I'm just joking when I say that. I'm just saying, but I, 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 I would like because it makes you feel like Todd Phillips tried to do something with uh, a, a world that was predominantly built on fantasy. He really tried to do something and translate that into a real world, real life, real dramatic uh, element of storytelling. And yeah, I'm curious to know what other comic book characters look like in real gritty world. Real yeah. life scenarios, like he did with this. Yeah, I, I, um, I will say, I think Todd Phillips took what Christopher Nolan um, was doing. I think he took that and and took it up to another level. I agree. I, I, I which, and I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan, but I think he did top him with this. Um. Well. I will say this though, your your wish for seeing other uh, characters like this most likely is about to happen, because they're um, they're trying to do other villains like this. Um, I know they they discussed Mister Freeze, and I think if I'm not mistaken, I think they said something about the Riddler as well. Oh um, shit! Which those would be very interesting. Um, but again, my whole issue with them even trying to do this is that DC is trying to catch up. Well, they're trying to attempt to do something Marvel is doing. And for the last 11 and a half years, they have not been able to do it. Right. Um, and I think that I think this is the groundwork for them trying to reset and and go again. And I, I that's my only hope is that they don't do that because i would rather just see the joker as a standalone film which mm -hmm. i was i was against that idea from the jump i i, I hated it but mm -hmm. after seeing it it i i get it i would it does spark to, a lot of curiosity it does it does yeah. um so i wouldn't mind seeing some other films like that um but i want that to just stay with dc marvel is doing a phenomenal job with what they're doing. I think if if DC just stays along the lines of the of of Joker, they'll be fine. Right. They will be fine. They they I don't think. Right. Give it a give that. it a few years. Disney gonna buy up all this shit. It's all gonna be one Bro. big conglomerate. <laughs> way. Yeah. <Bro. laughs> you know, Disney's gonna eat up all of this shit in a little while. So they already got Fox. Source. Right. Right. But I agree with you though. I agree with you though. Yeah, but this was as as a standalone film, phenomenal. I love what I saw. Um, 
I want to see more, but I just want to see it like this. I again, I don't want to. I don't want them trying to build a new universe and all that stuff to compete against Marvel. Um, just focus on what you need to focus on, and that's your your work. And I think if DC can do that, they're they're fine. They don't need to. They don't need to do all that other stuff. I agree. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So, uh, well, wrapping this one up, uh, I, I personally feel like they are going to do to this what Hollywood has always done, and they're going to run into the ground because of <laughs> yeah. all the money they made and all the attention they got. And Hollywood is a money machine. You know, that's what they exist for. Yeah. I see it happening with Bad Boys already. They're already talking Bro. about Bad Boys 4. Oh They're not going to stop until we get a horrible Bad Boys. I'm mm-hmm. determined. They, they want to they ruin that franchise. They want to give us a Beverly Hills Cop 3. Yeah. <laughs> from from the Bad Boys franchise. And that's just the way Hollywood do. We're just going to run shit to the ground until, y'all, until we make something so bad, y'all don't want it no more. That's, yeah. that's, how, they, yeah. that's how they move. Have you, have you seen Bad Boys for Life? I haven't. I haven't, man. I haven't. I'm going to uh, catch it this weekend coming up. Okay. I'm a little late on that. Okay. We'll, we'll I know you that. saw it already. Yeah. yeah, I know you saw it already. And uh, you recorded a podcast for uh, one of the uh, other OTS platform uh, podcasts about it. And I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be so, dropping uh, on the 24th. That's this Friday. Um, okay. For anyone listening. So, yeah. Um, realish. That's uh with me and uh LJ Jones. Um Right. That's uh that was a good one. That was that was a good movie. That was Okay, movie. this this will be the first podcast for that particular one, right? First episode, yeah. And first I episode. I, okay. I want to bring him on uh on here and I also want to bring you on to there cuz I think okay. I think you guys would have good really good uh conversations as well. Anytime, bro. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll make that Let happen. Let me know. Let me know. Yes, sir. So, do you recommend this one, D? Highly. Highly recommend it. Highly recommend I actually might go buy it on Blu-ray. Yeah, this is one of the ones I think I want to keep, too. Yeah. I, I, I stopped buying movies probably about, I'd say, what, two years ago? I stopped buying hard copies. Mm-hmm. Um, this one might actually make me go buy another one. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's uh it's a lot of it's a lot to take in with this film. It's, this is definitely one you're gonna want to watch more than once. Like I'm already uh, looking to watch it again this week, you know, just to just to catch it again because it's a it's a lot of uh, as they call them Easter eggs or mm-hmm. tidbits, you know, in this movie that that I want to catch up on. I've been listening to a few podcasts uh, about this movie about Joker. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a couple of things I've heard in discussions that that I've missed. So yeah, this this is one of the one of those films that you definitely want to revisit. So with that said, um, as far as I'm concerned, I give it my recommendation. Most definitely. Uh, definitely check it out. Definitely check it out. Um, <clears throat> I gave it. I have this a website called Letterhead. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah. But it's a it's a website dedicated just to you know kind of chronicling every film that you watch and you can put reviews up. And all that on it, and uh, so I have an account with them, and I gave this one three and a half stars. I didn't give it five, uh, and I didn't give it the full four, mm-hmm. mainly because of my trouble with um, the uh, Zari Beats character. 
uh, well, the character she played, Sophie. Excuse me. <clears throat> yeah, the character she played, Sophie. Um, and then what I already discussed earlier in the podcast, I already covered all that. Mm-hmm. But that's the reason why um, I just didn't really want to give it a, a full perfect uh, score because that that little bit gave me a little trouble. Um, but other than that, man, uh, it's a it's a it's a nearly perfect movie. Yeah, you know, it's it's it gives you everything you want, you know, from a film. And this is considered a psychological thriller. That's one of my favorite genres, anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this this movie hit a lot of uh, hit a lot of good hit a lot of beats for me that uh, I recommend. So as far as acting is concerned, again, acting is a must for me. You know, if, it, if it's bad acting, bad acting to me is just like bad sound. Like you you exactly. have no movie if you have bad sound, and you pretty much really have no movie if you have bad performances. So this movie delivers as far as performance. Great performances. You, you're not going to be disappointed as far as performances. It, even though this is a fictional city of Gotham, um, you know I, I like New York setting films too. You know movies with a New York setting. I think me personally, and another reason I think this movie missed Scorsese. I don't think it is you know sh- slighted or it's short in any kind of way because of this. But one thing I think Scorsese would have brought to this film is that that New York uh, aesthetic that he has mastered, you know, like nobody, well, Spike actually is up there too. Spike uh, masters the New York aesthetic. And I will say a close second to him would be uh, Martin Scorsese. So that's one thing I think the movie sparks curiosity with with me is what it would have looked like in Scorsese's hands Mm -hmm. because the whole New York aesthetic was really portrayed well. And one thing I might have mentioned this earlier in the in the in the in the review, but even how the movie started, like the movie started with that old school throwback Warner Brothers logo. Yes, yes. And it kept that energy, man, throughout the whole movie. And I like that. Yeah. You know? That was pretty so, interesting. Yeah. That was yeah, pretty so, interesting. So the whole uh as far as the whole uh look of the film, the the appearance, the production design. Mm-hmm. It deserved. I believe it got nominated in in a couple of those areas. Yeah, all, all of those. Yeah, all of those. Man, well deserved. All yeah. around is a well deserved film. It's yeah. just that one little psychological. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna call it a psychological glitch, that was with the character uh, Sophie and how her and and Arthur Fleck related in that one scene and how that was played out in the end or not played out in the end. That's what kept me from giving it a perfect score. Other than that, man, go see the movie. Watch it. Yeah. It's, it's worth your time. It's worth it's your time. So this is a bonus episode, Joker. Thank y'all for listening to us. Um, and look for us again in the next couple of days. Derek and I are going to be discussing another bonus. Uh, we'll discuss another film for a bonus episode, which will be the Tyler Perry uh, film, A Fall from Grace. Oh, we boy. got that one coming up. Um, as we record this, as you can hear in Derek's voice, <laughs> as, uh, at the time of this recording, Derek has already seen the film, and I haven't. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this because I don't know what the hell is on his mind, but he seems like he just, you know, saw something very bad or something horrible. Uh, I don't know. I have some I stuff know. to get off my chest, bro. All right, all right. Well, I'm not gonna judge it. I'm not gonna put. We ain't gonna talk too much about it because we don't yeah. want to spoil the energy of the, of, the, of the review. Yeah. But uh, just letting y'all know we got that coming up. Uh, also, again, I failed to mention just about on every podcast, so let me mention it now. 
You can find me uh, on I am Chris Ali on Instagram. Please hit us up. Give us your feedback, man. We want to know uh, what we can improve on, what we, what movies we could uh, talk about. I'm not saying that we're going to implement the improvements y'all recommend, but we do want to hear it. So, uh, you know, let us know, you know, what what uh, what y'all getting from the podcast, what films you want to hear us talk about. We want to engage with y'all. So hit me up personally. Uh, I am Chris Ali. Ali is A-L-E-E in that on Instagram. Also, you can find us uh, as a... Uh, as a show on Instagram, you can find us on NC, the letters NC, Film Society. Uh, that's where we're at on Instagram as far as No Chase Film Society. NC, Film Society uh, on Instagram. So, Derek, you want to put yours out there? Uh, Derek underscore OTS, um, but uh, mainly OTS guys. Um, uh, so, both, either one of those uh, you can follow. Um, I would prefer if you, you know, Show OTS guys some love, uh, and 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 just let us know what you think about all these shows that that uh, we have going on, uh, and and you know we enjoy the feedback and and thank you guys for listening. Absolutely, well, D, my daughter's ready to tear through my house, man. She's been cool, <laughs> but longer than I thought she would be. So, oh, uh, we gonna go ahead and wrap this, man. Yes, sir. Until next uh, podcast, D. Yes, it's sir. Been good, bro. Always, bro. All right, y'all have a good one, man. Watch a damn movie. Come back <laughs> and check us out. Yes, sir. Don't chase film society. Done with it. Peace.